Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. A few things I want to let you guys know about, uh, kind of what's going on. We got a lot of stuff happening. Uh, so as far as outreaches go, things like that, we're headed to Mexico in April. We're going to be doing special Easter things. We're visiting both orphanages, so you can sign up uh, online for that. Um, that is limited, too. We can't take a large group. Make sure you have your passport. Um, so we already have people signing up for that, and uh, that's going to be a great time. They're looking forward to it already. Like, they're really excited. So we're talking to the directors down there, looking forward to blessing them. So you have the teen option, um, which is a little bit more like share a skill with them. You know, they like to draw, so bring maybe things to do with them. And then little kids is just be ready, bring your tennis shoes. You're going to be running around playing games and being silly with them. That, sign up online for that. Make sure you have your passport. It's ready to go. Um, also, Young Life is doing a fundraiser. We did it last year. Uh, it's a golfing fundraiser. And so it's April, I think, 22nd. Go online and sign up for that. Uh, the church uh, has already donated $1,500, so we're going to sponsor a whole. We want to see them succeed. And then also, I was just talking to Grace. Uh, I believe her, uh, Aiden, Bethany, there might be a few other people that are going to be gone for one month to three months. If they need support, always visit the church. They're homegrown. We want to be able to support them. So when you get your taxes back, or if you get money from your taxes back, um, save a little bit for Young Life. We'll be supporting them through the golf tournament and through summer too, so heads up on that. Um, also, um, Mike and Kay just let me know uh, about an awesome opportunity. Um, it's called Pageant, um, Pageant of Our Lord, and uh, some of you might have heard of, pa- I think it's Pageant of the Masters, is that what it is? Yeah, at the Laguna. And so it's basically like uh, an art show, but they use real people to kind of come in and they have music and there's an orchestra. This just has a Christian bent. It, if you're not into art, which I'm not by any means, but Christine's like, we're going to this. It was amazing, the pageant of the masters, and this is kind of like the Christian version. And I know some of you might be thinking like, what? Is it, it's super entertaining, super cool, and the music is very, very powerful. So just encourage you, that's in, is it, like, is it April? First, first Sunday in April. Um, so uh, sign up online. And then also, we have someone that, um, it costs $85 because we're going to take a bus and actually go there and just make it kind of a nice evening, you know. So we don't normally dress up a lot at our church. Hey, dress up a little, curl the hair, guys, a collar, you know, things like that. But it could be fun, uh, but we can take a bus there because it's a little bit of ways away, and it'll be about a four or five hour kind of thing. So, um, but we have someone that, if that's too much, we'll take 50% off. So I'm just going to leave it up to you. We just trust you if you're like, Hey, I can do 45, 85 is a little steep, no worries, especially if it's two of you, that can be an expensive night. If you can't afford it, just sign up online. So you're going to have that option, and a group of us will go and, and have fun in April. So um, just a heads up on that. Again, everything's on our website. And then lastly, I emailed you guys, I didn't put it on our website, but um, a lot of us have been praying for the people in Ukraine and even the people in Russia and what's happening there with the tension and obviously the war that's going on there. Um, just so you know, we're attached to a denomination called the Alliance, our Christian uh, and Missionary Alliance. And we just love their philosophy and how they do international church planting. Um, just really good people. And so they have this thing called CAMA, or CAMA, C-A-M-A. Um, but it's a relief organization arm, part of the Alliance. They're all over the world. So if there's anything that your heart's just burdened and you hear something, they're doing, because we don't hear about everything in the news, there's a lot of other things happening. They're all over the world, and what's great is they're one of the highest percentages of a nonprofit that you can give to as far as per dollar. 
they're in the over 95 cents goes to the field or just so you know when you're giving to organizations especially they're on the christian bent it could be less than 25 uh, cents on the dollar goes to the field you're paying for admin you're paying for advertising all that kind of stuff so i i really like them um and so it's uh camaservices.org c-a-m-a services.org if you want to give i put in the email but that was just a connection group i forgot to send it to church so just a heads up and you can give to ukraine specifically they're doing relief and that money goes to the local churches just so you know those local churches right now they're the ones helping refugees feeding people healing wounds or uh, you know helping band like the church is active just so you know right now they're not hiding they're active and they're putting their lives on the line so we can help support what's going on there so i just want to give you a, a heads up on that all right i'm going to pray acts chapter 16 we're going to boogie here we go jesus thank you so much for um just loving us and that you loved us before we loved you and that you've drawn yourself to us before we drew ourselves to you and that you chose us before we chose you god i pray that if there's anyone here that just feels disconnected feels ashamed feels like that they're not cared about lord i pray that you would speak to them powerfully and there's something about being loved by a church but there's something more when you know that there's a creator who created you for a purpose that's more than about making money having the family having the retirement having good health there's something eternal there's something in us that we're different than animals we have this eternal longing this eternal purpose this creativity that comes from you that you gave us god and so I pray today would really inspire us to be partners with you in the natural and the supernatural and in the eternal and what you want to do in people's lives, Lord. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, so today, I would say the thesis for today, um, and it's very specific, but it can have broad applications. But again, if you're in connection groups, be writing things down so you're ready for your discussion, especially if you're not, you can take notes. But but this is kind of the thesis of today, is that successful outreach, remember the book of Acts is about the movement of the church. How do people connected to God begin to reach out in a purposeful and powerful way uh, to people who are disconnected from either Jesus or a church? Both are important to God. So if someone's like, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a part of a church, that's not what God desires. He calls the church his bride. I know, but I don't like church. Well, still God's bride. So be careful how you talk about the church. And so it's one of those things that either or the church is constantly connecting people into a local church to be discipled, uh, to be loved, to be part of it, uh, of the hands and feet of Jesus. And then also just connecting as far as they're just disconnected. They didn't know about his grace. They don't know that uh, they're created by him, right? So we're talking about this movement, and, and we've been doing that for a few months. We've got about three more weeks, and then we'll be moving on from the book of Acts, jumping into the book of Luke. And so for now, though, what we're seeing as a theme, this will be the third time I kind of spoke on it, is that successful outreach is more about listening and watching the Spirit of God, okay? Successful outreach has more to do with listening and watching the Spirit of God than listening to ourselves or watching people. Let me explain that. Successful outreach has more to do about listening and watching the Spirit of God than listening to ourselves or watching people. What we tend to do is when we look at outreach is we tend to assume who God wants us to reach out to. And sometimes we try to connect with people, try to do things, and what we've got to be careful of is sometimes it's not necessarily that's the right time or the right person that God wants us to reach. 
And so we can hit these walls, and then sometimes we try to knock those walls down where God's like, it's not re- you're not ready yet. Or they're not ready yet. Or that's not who I'm asking you. What we know is in the book of Acts is the Spirit of God that told them who to go talk to and who to go reach out to. So if I'm not in tune with God, usually I won't be in tune with outreach. And we're going to see that's in the story. Because I know for some of us, like, wait a second, if I just see someone or an opportunity, yeah, but did you pray about it? Is that your calling? And so we see that, that the outreach is a movement of the Spirit, not necessarily an activity of the church. Have you noticed, have you been a part of churches where outreach is an activity? We have a project. We're going to go reach this people group or, or do this. And it's a, a four weeks of outreach kind of a thing. And the other times we're not thinking about it, right? But no, no, no. It's a lifestyle of just being so in tune with God that it's like, text this person now. Go plan that trip with them, not them. But I like them more. Nothing. The more I'm in tune with God, the more I'll be in tune with outreach. The less I am, I think the, the harder outreach actually is. Acts chapter 16, we're going to kind of cruise through this and, and pull out some, some principles within this. So it says, Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Chapter 15, we just talked about last week, that there's a big discussion in the church. They need to have a dialogue, right, in order to be unified about what do we believe and what are we about. And so that was Acts chapter 15. The church could have been split, but it kind of unified, saying this is what we believe. But also we saw that they were actually unified through also division because you had leaders that all of a sudden they had different opinions and they split off and went their different ways. A lot of times we could look at that as a bad thing. Oh, Christians are always supposed to be together and always supposed to be united. No, sometimes God wants things to divide in order to unite other people in other ways. So we see in Acts chapter 16 the reason why God did this. It says, Paul came to Derby and then to uh, Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. Paul's on a second missionary journey, just so you know. Did his first one, 13 and 14. Now he's on a second one. He'll do uh, about four. This is his second time now. So he did his first one. Cool. Now I'm going to be going on my second one, that where, where I feel like God is leading me. So it says, as he's beginning this, that there's a disciple named Timothy, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, if you remember, you're reading that being like, well, wait a second, didn't the church just establish that you didn't need to be circumcised to be a Christian? Then why is Paul forcing this guy to be circumcised? And he's not a baby, people. Talk about commitment. You want to go on a missions trip? Don't just pay the money. <laughs> you know, it's like, whew, all right, let me pray about this one, right? A little bit higher commitment than just paying some money and going on a missions trip. And so why would he do that? And I, I want you to know that what we're seeing here, that leadership is different than Christianity. And what we'll do to reach people is different than what we'll do just to be a Christian. His Christianity and his salvation was already set. But sometimes I have to sacrifice more in order to reach people, even sacrificing things that I don't need to do. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He says, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, even though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. 
to those not having the law, that would be uh, uh, the Ro uh, Greco-Roman people, I became like, um, like one not having the law. So he reached Jewish people in a different way than Greek people. You'll notice later on in Acts that he actually debates some of the philosophers, the ancient Grecian, uh, Roman Greco philosophers. He actually debated them, and he debated them in a way that they understood as far as their gods, how he's saying, listen, you're worshiping dead gods and mythical people. They're not real. We can't find those towns. We can't find everything in the Bible. We can find it. And so he's debating them. That was different than the Jewish people where it's like, listen, you're not saved. You think you are, but just doing circumcision or following all the laws, you're still a lawbreaker. It's actually grace that you need, not more laws. He did it in different ways. Why? In order to win people. And he says in verse 22, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things popular verse to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. It's not for my blessings. It's for their blessings. And we do this today. Like when we do mission trips cross-culturally, we're very aware of culture. We'll change the way we dress. If certain things aren't appropriate, shorts aren't appropriate, certain culture, things like that, we wear pants. Why? We're adapting. We're not compromising. We're adapting in order to reach people. So just, you know, Timothy wasn't doing that. You read in 15 where it's like, wait a second, they just discussed that. That was just for salvation. But to reach people, sometimes I have to sacrifice more. Even though I'm free not to do it, I'm going to do it because I want people to know Jesus. And the more I can adapt to their culture and their way of speaking, the easier I can show Christ to them. So when I'm explaining the gospel to someone that comes from a non-religious background, I'm going to use different illustrations. That's why I encourage you guys, get to know them before you try to reach them. Because sometimes you're using the wrong method and they don't understand what you're saying. If they have no religious background, then you got to find, but how can I find God within their context? Um, the beauty of like jujitsu and, and doing martial arts is that when I talk to guys and they find out I'm a pastor or a Christian or something like that, and I can talk about submitting yourself to God, and that sounds horrible to them. They're like, I don't want to. I like doing what I want. Like, that sounds like a horrible religion to be, but I'm like, is it? Do you submit yourself to the black belt and the guy that tells you what to do and how to change? Well, yeah. I go, why do you do that? So you get better, right? So you get higher belt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same way. Why would you not submit yourself to Jesus if he's going to show you how to truly love at a black belt level, how to have a marriage at a black belt level, but also how to truly find freedom at a high level? So I go, you submit to what you believe is good for you. Right now, you believe God's not good for you. So I, if I explain martial arts to someone who's martial arts, ah, Jesus is black belt, you're white belt. <laughs> so why would I not submit to a black belt? They know everything. If I say that to someone who doesn't know martial arts, they're like, right? Or maybe I get to know them and I find out they actually do like God, they just hate Christians because their dad was a pastor and was a horrible hypocrite. And the mom struggled with alcoholism. And dad just said, be quiet about it. I don't want the church to know. And the kids are like, this is what Christianity is? And the dad would berate them every time the kids messed up in public. This is not what Christians do. Talking to them about Jesus being a black belt sounds horrible. Talk to me about hypocrisy in the church. And is Jesus really real? Does that make sense? I become all things. But you can't reach people if you don't know people. 
So listen before you speak. That's what made Paul so good. So we see that he picks up this new man, Timothy, which also I want to remind you, remember he lost John Mark in the earlier chapter? I want to remind you this. What God takes away, he will replace. You just need to trust him. He lost John Mark. But he gained Timothy, and Timothy would eventually become a pastor, which John Mark never did. So he would train up new pastors. So God's like, and they didn't know this. Paul and Barnabas, I need you guys to split because I need to train up some pastors. Paul's going to focus on that. Barnabas is going to focus on other things. When I can trust God, I cannot try to over-control conflict, over-control certain things that begin to fade away, over-control people. Just let God move people around. Hold people loosely and hold God tightly. He needed them to split off because Paul needed to train pastors. So what God took away in John Mark, oh, it's a horrible thing. God's like, no, 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 I got you. This young man, Timothy, he's going to reach both people that are Jewish and uh, Greco-Roman because of his parents. God had a plan. So we continue now where we see this. They partner together, and they're beginning to move forward. And let's, let's notice how God kind of leads them, because I think we'll learn something about this in our lives when it comes to outreach. And I would say just in general with how God leads. It says, Paul and his companions then traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Does anybody find that weird? They had a good thing that they wanted to do, and God kept them from doing it. Uh, Asia, just so you know, it's, it's, the, where, uh, it's the western side of Turkey right now. We have a map. Maybe you guys can see. We have that map back there. So I don't know if you guys can see, but you see where, the, um, uh, where Turkey is right there, where it says my Asia, Ephesus right there. That's right there where, uh, that's Asia right there. So it's not Asia where we think of Asia. So Paul wanted to go to the coast of Turkey, the western coast, to do a good thing, not a bad thing. And God kept him from doing a good thing. Right? Sometimes when we want to do good things and it's not working out, maybe God's saying, either you're not the right person or this isn't the right time. Don't force the issue. But am I listening to God? Am I watching for God? Am I sensing when he's closing doors and opening doors? Or am I trying to knock down every door because I'm doing it for God? And God's like, I didn't ask you to kick down that door. I didn't ask you to. And so Paul is being led by the Spirit by actually being kept from certain provinces. And it says, when they came to the border of Mysia, they turned to enter uh, Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now he blocks them again. And that's northern Turkey. So if you put the map back up there, they were trying to go back to, um, from western Turkey. They're like, okay, we know what God's wanting us to do. He wants us to go up north. And it says that God blocked them from there. Now, if anyone you would think would be in tune with God, wouldn't you think it's Paul? Like Paul's one of the most spiritual people read out in the Bible. Doesn't that comfort you that even Paul, one of the most spiritual people, doesn't even know what God is doing? Like he, tries, he keeps trying to go into place and God's like, no, no, no. So when God says no to you, it means you're super spiritual rather than why doesn't he love me? Because even God said no, and even Paul couldn't figure it out. He's like, what's going on here? He's like a pinball. Where do you want me to go? Well, if God says no, he'll eventually give you a yes. 
but be still and know that he's God. Don't try to over control the situation. Knowing that God saved you in order to purposely and specifically lead you. He saved you, and that means he's going to lead you if you just trust him. And so it says that, um, so they passed through and they went down to Troas. In verse 9, it says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia, which is uh, Greece. So he's going to leave Turkey, and God wanted him to go to Greece. So he gave him a vision then. And it says that, um, that there was a, a man begging, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel for them. That Greek word, concluding, um, it has a specific meaning, just so you know. It means to, if you want to circle or underline that or just write this in your notes, but concluding means that um, to be brought together to be on the same page. So when Paul had this vision, he didn't know if that was from God or not. You see, the different ways that God speaks, and we still believe this today, is God will speak through the word of God, which is very clear. The word of God, that's the, the final authority, right? But God can also speak through people. God can also speak through dreams and vision. We have that in our church, just so you know. But usually when it's things that are not of the word of God, God wants you to come to conclusions in a group not by yourself. So when someone has dreams and visions or they feel like God laid this on my heart for someone, my whole thing is multiple people should confirm it then because that's not the word of God. The word of God, we don't need multiple people. We go to the word of God, boom. Other ways the Holy Spirit speaks, you see in the Bible, even Paul's not like, I had a vision, I'm an apostle, this is where we're going. He's like, hey, I have this vision, can we talk about it? And that's what that word conclude means. It means literally to bring together or to knit together. That's the actual Greek, to knit together in order to be on the same page. So they discussed it, like, should we go to Greece? We weren't thinking about going to Greece. Remember, that's in Europe. They weren't thinking about Europe. Like, oh, that's a new thought. They decided to go to Europe. This is where we find that outreach, the way God will use us to connect disconnected people, is many times more about following God's plans than your plans or assumptions. Sometimes where you assume God wants you is not always where he wants you. Remember, outreach is about where's the Holy Spirit leading me rather than where I think I should go. They had no idea that they were about to reach Europe. That was not on their radar. They were just worried about this little area in Turkey. And they thought that's where God wants, and they were wrong. And this is an apostle. These are super spiritual people. They were wrong. How do I make sure that I'm not doing something wrong? Slow down and listen to the Lord more than where I think God might be wanting me to move. Why did he block them? Well, it goes on to say why he blocked them. Why did he keep them from those areas in Turkey? Verse 13, it says that as they went into Macedonia, they're in Greece, on the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And just so you know, that's not normal. Normally, it's the men that lead the prayer. But all we can conclude is that there weren't enough Jewish uh, men there to have like a synagogue or something like that. And let me tell you, this is a little side note, that God has called men to lead. It doesn't mean that women don't have a voice and women aren't leading. No, no, no. But God says, I'm going to put the responsibility on you. Make sure your family or the church is going in the right direction. Leaders don't do it all, 
they make sure it goes in the right direction, right? But when that vacuum's there, God says, women, you got to step up. When that vacuum's there. But listen, men, when you lack leadership, you put a burden on women that they shouldn't have. Lead. Direction, values, prayer, making sure that things are going in the right direction, right? So that wasn't happening there. So the women are like, well, we ain't waiting for the men. We're gonna, we got to get together. We got to pray. So it says that one of those that was listening was a woman from Theatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. That was very expensive back then, so she was loaded. And so she listened, though, and she was a worshiper of God. It said the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. And she said, if you consider me a believer, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Paul had no idea there was a woman with a lot of money named Lydia. He couldn't imagine that was going to be the woman that started the church in that area because that's not how God normally did it. But when men don't listen, God will say, I'll, I'll work around you. I prefer it this way, but I'll work around you. Paul could not imagine that, you guys. That was the first convert in Europe, was a woman. First convert. And then the church in Corinth would be built around there. If you keep reading, if you want to keep reading later on, I'm not going to go over right now, but if you keep reading, uh, Paul also then... Um, was in jail for a short period of time. And then we have a second convert who was a jailer. And notice who God reaches. Paul thought he was going to reach Jewish men first and then the Greco-Roman men. See, when you think this is who I know I'm going to reach, these are the kind of people I like, or this is kind of, you're boxing God in. The purpose of his outreach is that you're listening to God more than you're listening to yourself of what you think God wants you to do. And here's the beauty is when God leads you, that means people are ready. When you try to do it, sometimes you're reaching people and they're not ready. It's not the right time. Everybody comes to God at different times in different ways. That area wasn't ready, but Lydia was. He's like, I'm going to send you. Wait, but this is not who my people group is. I'm supposed to reach. I didn't ask you about your people group. I'm not a God you put in a box. Reach this woman. She's loaded. That's how we're going to start the church. We need money. You don't have money, Paul. Ah, my ways are not your ways, homie, right? But then I'm going to go to jail. Oh, why did I come here? Now I'm in jail. Just send me back. No, no, no. That jailer right there, he's been seeking God. He's been thinking about God. And he's going to see a miracle, and you're going to explain the gospel, and his whole family is going to get baptized. Ah, he had no idea. He had no plan. important that if we're going to be a church that reaches people that we think about where God wants us more than where we think we need to be I'm going to read a few verses that kind of maybe one of these will hit you that talk about this the importance of listening and watching God and his movement and then following him John 8 47 Jesus says this whoever belongs to God hears what God says the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Some of us were like, I don't even hear God. But what the Bible says is he's always speaking. So you got one of two scenarios. Either you're not listening because you're too wrapped up in the world. 
well, you haven't given your life to Jesus. You might be into religion. But he only speaks to those that, that know him and want to follow him. But the Bible says that, that God is speaking. Whoever belongs to God will hear God. John 16, he goes on to say that, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only to what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will tell you, what is, he will tell you about what you need to do next, what's coming, where you need to go, who you need to be connecting to, where you need to go. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The reason just so you know God speaks to you, sometimes it's one of the things where we make it all about us. Sometimes God wants to speak to us, not for our benefit, but to go and benefit others. In fact, Christianity is always dangerous when everything becomes about me. Reading the Bible comes about me and my comfort. That hearing from the Lord comes about what is God saying to me. Most of the time, God will say things to you or show you things for other people's benefit. And so are you listening, saying, God, who do you want me to text today? Who do you want me to pray for today? Who have I not had lunch with in a while? Who at work do I need to invite out to lunch? Maybe not people I always click with. Is there someone different? Or maybe it is those people. And I bet God will answer you. Who's ready to even hear about you, Lord? Those are great questions to ask, and I believe the Lord will speak. This is why Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean on, not on your own what? Don't lean on what, how you think it's going to go. Trust the Lord. In all your ways, submit to him. That means when he calls you to go reach out, when he calls you to go somewhere, to go do something, submit to him. It can be hard, especially if he calls you to go somewhere you don't want to go, right? We had that with the Mexico trip. We had someone that was really scared to go but really felt like, here's the thing, it wasn't a guilt trip of the church. That's not good. You need to go. You, no, no, no. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying no. And she's like, no, the Holy Spirit's saying yes. And you know what was cool? Because the, the, the cool story is like, she overcame her fear and was conquered. She was like, I love this. She was scared the whole time that she'd done that, right? But then God worked in the midst of that where she's like, I can trust them even when I feel a certain way. And she's excited to go back. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't even lean on your own feelings. Be careful of that. Psalm 32, 8. David writes this. I will or, or God says this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. It's a great tattoo if you don't have that. Slap that one on your back, right? Not on your back. You can't see it. Put it on your chest. Don't worry about it. On your neck. I will instruct you. Who instructs you? Not your feelings. Not your thoughts about other people. Not who you think. Would, oh, they're so far from God. Oh, they're close to God. And you try reaching them. They're not. They have the appearance, but they're not. Who instructs you? I will. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will instruct you. In the way you should go, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Just so you know, anything God calls you to, it's with a loving eye. When Paul was being led, it was with a loving eye. When Paul was being told no by God, it was with a loving eye. When Paul was in prison, it was with a loving eye because there was a guy in that prison that needed to come to know him. If I know God has a loving eye, 
and that his ways are good, then I'm excited to listen, then I'm excited to watch things. Is that an open, closed door from you, God? And even if it's a closed door that I really want to be open, I can submit and say, now's not the time. And just so you know, on that second missionary journey, where would Paul eventually end up? Back exactly where God told him not to go. He would go into Western Turkey. It was the right people, but the wrong time. Faith, I want to encourage you, is this. Faith is not actively trusting God once I figure him out, but it's actively trusting God that he already has it figured out. And that's where some of us struggle. Because we won't move in faith until we figure it out God completely. Or we figure out, what's he trying to do? Ever met people like that? I'm trying to figure out what God's trying to do. I wonder if God's like, you can't. Otherwise, you know what you're doing? You're saying, I don't, I trust you, but I don't trust you enough until you tell me your whole plans in advance. And when that usually happens, God says, we have a bigger issue because now we have arrogance rather than submission. But a humble person says, you're a good God. You went to the cross. You died and rose again. I have not died and rose again, so you're a higher authority. You've lived forever. I've lived for 20 years, 30 years, 40, right? There's that humility there. But I want to encourage you with this. People that have a faith that is really active, people that have a faith where there's stories in their lives and it's not from 30 years ago. It's fresh. It's happening why it's because of this they have active trust that he has it figured out they don't need to figure it all out they'll figure it all out when you look in the rearview mirror and saying oh yeah i couldn't imagine when my mom got divorced from her second husband living in fresno that god would want us to move to bakersfield nobody godly lives in bakersfield But God was blocking all these doors. My mom couldn't get a job. She had two kids. What are we going to do? Move to Bakersfield. And we were not excited. This feels more like a satanic attack than something from God. But God's like, no, I just need you to trust me because your next husband, who's a really godly man, is going to be there. Didn't see that one. And then in Bakersfield for two years, we couldn't find a church. Well, why did he send us here? could not we just couldn't get in all these bad experiences and i'm sure there's a good church somewhere in bakersfield but we couldn't find it right and god's blocking us because like oh that's not where you're going to get roots you're actually going to go in north county san diego why because there's a church there north coast church and that's where i would meet the lord there oh god had it all figured out even when we we're wondering why he's moving us around from place to place In the midst of that, then, I was planning on moving to Europe and being a professional cyclist. All my dreams, all my hopes, all my money poured into that. When I was 17 years of age, I had the two biggest races of my life that would give me the chance if I could do well. Then the coach I was with, who had been in the Tour de France, raced the biggest races, like, we can get you there. Both races, I crashed. Why? So angry, so mad. I get overlooked. Now it's bottom tier, Brian. And it's just like, what's going on? Why would God do this to me? Well, because, Brian, you're not saved, and you're going to ride a bike and go to hell. Or you can give up that cycling, because it really is meaningless. And you can give your life to Jesus, and then you're going to become a pastor. What? Right? Every teacher that I had in junior high and high school, no, that guy would not be a pastor. No. Mm -mm, no. Right? 
but his ways are not our ways. And he's got it figured out. I didn't have it figured out. And I knew my wife for two years. For some reason, just didn't date, just didn't date, just didn't date. About 21 years of age, started dating, right time, got married about a year later. Why? Well, I think God was blocking me because at 19, I don't think Christine would have married me. God's like, bro, I got some work to do. You are not ready for this woman. Right? Thank you for blocking that because we started dating too early. I think it would have been a mess. Two years later, God's timing, God's direction, it's not on your shoulder, you guys. Take the stress off. He's got it figured out. Do you trust him? Is he good? Then let him direct you. And just trust, even if you're, it's where, like, I never imagined it would be here. It's okay, it's where he imagined it already. And just trust him. We're just going to take time and worship right now. And I just want to encourage you, God, what's the Spirit saying to you? Where's the Holy Spirit saying, trust me with that closed door? Hey, walk through that open door, even it's scary. Where's the Lord saying to you as far as like, listen, let me speak to you of who you need to connect with. And trust me, even if it's scary. But as we worship God, just remember he's good and he's got it all figured out. You don't have to. Let God be God. You just trust him. It's an amazing way to live. The worship team is going to come up now. And communion just reminds you guys of how, uh, of how awesome God is. I encourage you just to take communion, remembering he's got it all figured out. And even on the cross, when Satan thought God is dead, what he didn't realize three days later, God's more than alive than ever before. You can't conquer God. He's got a plan. Even when it looks like the plan's going to fail, his plan's always succeed. And so as you take communion, you take it by yourself. If you want to take it with family or friends and do it uh, as a communal thing and maybe pray together, I encourage you to do that. But whenever you want during worship, just take time, draw in, listen. And this week I encourage you with this, listen and watch for God. Listen and watch for God where he might lead you. Jesus, I pray we'd be a church that we wouldn't get in your way. I pray we'd be a church that we don't overplan our Christianity thinking this is how God's going to do it. This is how he's going to grow me. This is who he's going to uh, have me connect with. God, I pray that we'd ask you, who do you want me to connect with? Where's a yes and where's a no? And we'd be okay with that. Jesus, I just pray that we could have a real faith too that doesn't say, well, I'll move once I figure it out. But our faith would move because we trust you've already figured it out, God. And I pray we'd be successful at finding people that are really searching for you and don't know where to go. And we'd be ready and prepared to share the good news that God created them, God loves them, and he offers a forgiveness that will give them an eternal relationship and a purpose for life. So lead us this week, Lord. May we trust you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.